Welcome to another episode of The Root of All Business. This is your host, Jasbear, and today's guest is Michael Bryant. Michael is the president of CTS Consulting, which is a Baltimore-based multidiscipline consulting firm. He's also an endurance athlete and a six-time Ironman triathlon finisher. His focus is working both with individuals and corporations, has been on assisting in creating effective working lives. He's also known as a professional unstucker amongst his other names as a career management consultant or executive coach. He's been uh, doing this for past four decades. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I was thinking today, obviously, we're going to talk about, you know, staying optimistic and focused and kind of overcoming obstacles. Uh, During these times, you know, it's become easy and hard at the same time. It's uh, easy enough to, it's easy because you have more time. It's hard because now you can't be focused because people want to watch TV all the time or check their phones or what's happening. How, how has been, how has COVID-19 affected you in terms of your focus and concentration? So it's a challenge from time to time. And, and because what happens is, you know, they have this word, the new normal that people talk yeah. about, <laughs> kind of throw it around like a hand grenade, you know, the new normal, you know, the reality is that um, there, we've already been through lots of new normals in our lives. You know, when you get married, that's a new normal. When you have kids, that's a new normal. When you start a business, that's a new normal. When you move, that's a new normal. The difference between this new normal and the others is there's no model for it. So we don't have any adult that was alive during the 1918 pandemic that can give us any kind of, uh, they can't say, well, this is what happens and this is how you deal with it. I was talking to my, to my 90-year-old uncle uh, not long ago. And I said, is, does this in any way remind you of the Second World War? And he said, no, because we knew who the enemy was. We knew where they were. He said, we don't know where this thing is. It's all over the place and we can't see it. So what happens is that when we get sort of down or, or stuck or sort of begin to do the things you talked about, like um, lose motivation and go to these exits, like, well, I'll just go on my phone or I'll go on social media or I'll just go to Netflix or I'll just do something. Else. And that'll take my mind off of it. And basically, it's kind of this, um, we love the idea of status quo. Kind of left unattended, things would just be where they were when we go and go back to them. Well, the bottom line is this. The only reality that I know of is the deterioration. Left unattended, things get worse. So as an endurance athlete, if, if I don't train, I'll, I'll lose muscle mass. It won't be the same way it was. And so what happens is when, when I, and I've had days where, where I've been sort of down. And I can remember one, I had a, a stretch of about two or three days, which was really rough because I'm pretty much an optimistic guy. And my wife was looking at me like, who is this man in my house? I mean, when you, you know, we find my husband, could you bring him back, please? So I had a little talk with myself and I said, well, how would you like to feel? So one of the things that we can do when we're when we feel unmotivated or or we feel distracted or we feel like we can't keep focus or that we can't stay in a positive mood is to ask the question if it was just right what would it look like what would I, what would I like to this is what I this is what's happening and I don't like that that's not working I'm not getting anything done I'm not feeling productive I'm frightened or worried and that's not getting me anywhere so what would I, I like to feel so I said to myself well 
how would you like to feel? And I said, well, not like this. I mean, that's for sure. Sometimes we can't identify what it is, but we can certainly identify what it's not. I mean, you know, I don't want, I don't want to be in a negative frame of mind. I don't want to feel lethargic. I don't want to feel distracted and not being able to focus. I don't want to feel any of those things. And I said, okay, so think of a time where you had to deal with that in the past. Like, what was a time where you felt down? Well, in my case, I have a couple of places I can go. One is I can go um, to my business. So I've had my business for 40 years. And in 1989, which was like forever ago, there was a mild recession in, um, in Baltimore. And it particularly affected the real estate part of the market. And I had had the business for going on about 10 years and just coincidentally was heavily in the real estate space. So I was working with um, developers and contractors and subcontractors. And it was sort of a cascading sort of effect of one client after another basically said, listen, we like you, but I like, I'm not like heat and light. You don't have, I'm nice, but not necessary. You don't have to have me. I mean, you like to have me, but if you got to keep your doors open and the water running, I'm going to be one of the ones that's going to be furloughed first. So in one week, I lost 60% of my business. That was a bad week. That was a rough week. And I basically, at the time, we had two little kids. My wife was at the time a stay-at-home mom, so I was it. So I had to focus in a hurry. And I basically said, so what do you need to do? So the first thing I did is I, I, got, I got really busy and I said, what else do you do? Like, like what works? Well, the other thing I did in my business besides, besides management consulting was I also did outplacement consulting. So when somebody got laid off or, or fired, they would send them to me. And I thought, okay, I'm going to build up that part of my business, which I did rather rapidly. And that pulled me out of that. But when we had the big financial crisis in 2008, 2009, I had developed that part of my business so well that I had my two best years during that, fi- that, that, that financial, you know, the, the Great Recession. Because what I had done is I had, had adapted and adjusted. And so, and I, and I had learned from what happened. So that's how I dealt with that in the business part. In the athletic part of my life, I went back to a very early story in my, uh, in my um, Ironman uh, career. And um, though I had been involved in triathlons for 35 years, I didn't start till I was 56 uh, with the longer distances. The year before, I had decided that I needed to start training because this was, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I had to do more than I was doing. And so we have a house up in near Lake Placid, New York, in the Adirondack Mountains. And we're right where the Lake Placid Ironman is held. So I can bike the course, run the course and swim in the lake. So I went out on a particular day to go swimming. It's an overcast day, not a particularly nice day beach wise. I'm in the water by myself. Not a lot, nobody's in the lake that I can see. And I'm wet because I'm in my wetsuit. I'm in the water. And I noticed suddenly I'm getting wetter. And I look up and it started to rain. And I said, well, I don't care. It's rain. I'm just, you know, I'm in a wetsuit. Then I noticed that it really opened up and it was starting to pour. I looked out in front of me. I could see a mountain range and there was this very dark cloud coming out very quickly. And I said, that doesn't look good. Then I heard lightning. I looked at the end of the lake, and I heard thunder. And I looked at the end of the lake, and I saw lightning strike the lake. I said, i got to break off my swim right now and swim to the shore. i got to get out of this lake. I heard a second, a second crack of lightning. My right calf knotted up and pew, right out of the top of my head. I said, you just got hit. Lightning hit the lake and went right through your body. Now, I was in high school and college. I was a lifeguard and a water safety instructor. 
So I knew when somebody was in trouble in the water and they were panicking what to do, but I never thought that I would be the one in the water panicking. I thought it would be somebody I was going to rescue. And I, I, I decided, well, I had to come up with a plan very quickly. So I said, I'm going to stop, tread water, and scream at the top of my lungs for somebody to come get me. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to swim. I'm going to stop. I'm going to scream. I'm going to swim, stop, swim, stop, scream. And I'm going to do that. One of three things is going to happen. Somebody's going to come rescue me. I'm going to swim to shore, or I'm going to get hit by lightning again. And I couldn't think of anything else, and I didn't really have a lot of time. As sort of fate would have it, there were um, a, a couple of, um, of young ladies that were out putting away boats in a rental in a rental park. They were pulling them in from the water because the water was getting really choppy. They came out in two plastic two-man kayaks. They pulled me out of the water, and I got out. I looked at that, and I said, okay, what are the lessons from that? Well, what happens when lightning strikes? Well, when, when the virus came, that was like lightning struck. Something came out of nowhere that we had, we had not anticipated and we had no plan for. I certainly didn't go on the lake thinking what I would do if lightning struck. It wasn't even in my mind any more than a few months ago. We couldn't even imagine what the world would be like right now. So I said, okay, the first thing you have to do is you have to have a plan. So I had that plan, what I was going to do to get out. So that's the first thing we do with this. So we, we look at the dirt, certain parts of our lives and we say, okay, and the work part of my life, for example, um, if I have my own business, are there clients that I haven't contacted in a while that I just need to check in with? Are there things that I wanted to do that I just haven't done because I haven't had time? I'm revamping my website. Just haven't had time to do it. I'm doing it right now, but it needed to be done. And so the other thing that I look at is when I was in the water, I asked for help. I wasn't going to try to get out of there by myself if I could, if I didn't have to. So it's a danger in the midst of this to sort of isolate ourselves in our own thoughts because we tend to loop our own thoughts. We tend to get caught in our own sort of solution. Well, all I can do with this, and maybe this is all that can happen, and maybe I need to look for something else to do, or, or maybe I need, maybe my business isn't going to make it, or maybe I'm not going to be able to keep my job. And we don't talk to anybody else about that. And then the last thing we need to do is as we have these experiences, we need to learn from them. You know, let me tell you what it's like right now to watch me going in the water. If there's not a little bit of blue sky, I'm not going in. I mean, that's like, you know, <laughs> I, I've got my wetsuit on. I didn't like it. I turned around and got out. And people are like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I got hit by lightning. They said, got it. Good. Glad it wasn't me. You know, that's all they say. So those are some parallels and some things that I would suggest. First of all, wow. What, you know, I'm sure that anybody who's, uh would have been in your situation. I probably would have never gone and touched water again, you know, apart from drinking it. <laughs> That's very kind of interesting how you kind of applied your experience to, you know, what's happening right now. It's, you know, you, you can draw from your previous experience. With more and more with, you know, especially, you know, you, you and I were having this conversation prior to this episode was about, we all have this piece of gadget in our hands. Yes, yes. Um, yes. That takes the productivity away, you know. Yes. How do you strategize your day without, you know, even if you, we are creatures of habit, right? You know, if, if this is near us and it has to be near us, because mind says, what if you receive a message or call or yes. how do you kind of structure your day or your tasks or to keep your focus and concentration? Because what I tend to do now is, and it, it took me many, many years to overcome this challenge of, you know, you know what, I'm going to check my social media once a day. Uh, it was very difficult. Every time an email comes, I'll look at it. Apart from if, if you know, I'm working and I don't know, my team will email me or message me. 
Um, I'm aware of those times, but outside of those times, I don't want to touch it. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to get to that awareness, and and I saw how much much lighter I feel in my head, and how much amazing I feel. And I was discussing that with someone in the last episode, and that was fantastic. How do you kind of structure your day, and how do you, what do you tell your people, your clients that you work with, um, and disciplines that you apply to overcome this? Yes, that's a great question. So this smartphone is really smart. This is nothing to fool around with. This thing, this thing is 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 engineered to hijack your brain. Whenever that little that little ding goes off, your brain gets a little hit of dopamine, and it's been compared to a gambling addiction where you just want to you're in you're in the casino. You just want to keep pulling the the slot machine because you're going to win this time. And so, what I do is where most of the time people focus on what they have to do today and when they have to do it and who they have to do it with or for. My focus is a little bit different. I focus on why. Why am I doing this and why am I doing this right now? And then there's two things that are important along with that. The first one is to be brutally honest with yourself. You know, why am I doing this? Because I don't want to do that. Okay. Why am I doing this? Because I'm afraid of what somebody will think if I don't get it done. Why am I doing this? Because um, I like it more than something else. Or why am I doing this? Because it's the most important thing to do today. And then, but you do it in a non-judgmental way. So you don't beat yourself up. So one of the things I do is I go in and I say, okay, so what would I start? I, I, I start with the um, beginning of the day and I basically look at, um, if you know the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, the fifth habit is, is begin with the end in mind. So I begin with the end in mind. I look at that and I say, okay, what do I want the day to look like? If it's, if it's a good day, what would a good day look like? Well, I get this, this, and this done. What do, what do I feel like I need to get done? And what do I feel like I want to get done? Because those are two different things. So I separate needs from wants, and I, I'm very crystal clear as to why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I'm doing it right now. The second thing I do is I look at what I do and I say, well, what I do is really important. I'm not curing cancer. I mean, I'm not ending world hunger this afternoon. I mean, the, the other thing is, so it's not like I've got to get to it, like right this second or like, you know, the world's going to stop spinning on its axis. I mean, it's not, I think it's important to take what we do seriously but not to take ourselves seriously. We can take ourselves too seriously. Well, I've got to get that done or what? I mean, you'll die not finishing something like, okay. I mean, that's like, you know, you know. They, and so the idea is to basically say the focus is going to be on what's the most important thing to do. And as I've determined it, why do I think that's most important? And the other thing is this, all decisions that we make come with consequences. Whatever you decide to do, there's a consequence. And a consequence isn't a punishment. We, we sometimes misunderstand that word. If I decide to walk out in the rain without an umbrella, I get wet. Not because I'm a bad person. It's just a consequence. If I have an umbrella, I stay dry. Not because I'm a better person. It's just a consequence. So to make a decision and say, what are going to be the consequences of me getting this done or not getting this done today? And am I willing to accept the consequences? I mean, you know, when we have more of a kind of a normal life, you know, we remember normal. A lot of people are beginning to, oh, yeah, normal. I remember that, normal. Yeah. When time wasn't morphed all the time like it is, there would be many Fridays where, I don't know, it might be 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm like, I don't want to do my production work right now. And I'd say, okay, well, you're going to have to work Saturday morning. I don't care. I don't want to do it right now. So I was aware of the choice. I was aware of the consequence, and I accepted the consequence. And so that helps the thing make sense. In terms of all the distractions, you know, the thing doesn't control my, it doesn't control my hand. I mean, I can put it down. I can pick it up. I can put it in another room. It doesn't own me. I can decide what to do with it. 
but to keep it around is just asking for it. I mean, it's just it's just playing with fire to keep it there. So I just get it away from me. I don't have to look at it and be reminded by it. The other thing that's it's helpful to do is what I call schedule a meeting with yourself. You and I are talking to each other right now. We're not talking to anybody else. But what happens is that when we schedule time with ourselves, we don't make it a meeting. We just say, well, I need to get this done. So if, you, if clients are trying to get in touch with you, if you're in a meeting with client A, you're not going to interrupt it to talk to client B. So you can be in a meeting with yourself. You know, can we, can we talk on Thursday at 10 o'clock? Well, I'm going to be in a meeting from 10 to 11, but I can call you after that. They don't care who the meeting's with. and It doesn't matter to them. And, but, and if somebody said to us, I can't talk to you right now because I'm in a meeting, that'd be fine. The problem is we set the meeting and then we cancel it. So we say to ourselves, I'm going to get this done. And then we don't. So what begins to happen is we, we lose the, the most dangerous credibility that you can lose is not with another person. It's with yourself. So if you don't believe you, that creates a problem. So we'll say to ourselves, I'm going to get this done today. And little voices, no, you're not. They say that all the time. They're not getting it done. I'm, yeah, no, 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 I really am. My wife, thinks no, they say that. But we don't believe us. So imagine if every time a client scheduled a meeting with you, they cancel it. Well, you would think twice about scheduling another meeting or you at least have a backup. So we need to, in our mind, know there's going to be consistency in what we say we're going to do. The other thing, there's one other thing you can do that's very helpful. It's called underplan your day. So if you plan on working, you know, eight hours, 10 hours, whatever that is, lop two hours off and say, I'm only going to work six hours. I'm only going to work eight. And then what that does is that allows for interruptions because you haven't scheduled yourself so tight that you don't have room for the interruption. You know, most of us live in a pretty interruptible kind of environment. That's, that's very interesting. Um, I don't know if you're aware, I don't know if it's the case in the US, but in, in, in um, some companies in the UK, very few, and Sweden mm-hmm. now has kind of moved into more working uh, six-hour days where the mm-hmm. amount yes. of productivity has shot up. Now, yes. now my, my question is, is it better to kind of break your day into parts or do you think you should just do a, a sprint of three, four, five hours without distraction and get a lot of work done? So it's interesting that it's interesting question. So what the research has found is that we're most productive in 90 minute spurts. Right. 90 minutes. It's about, it's about the longest we can sustain something at, with, with high focus. So the author, Daniel Pink. Yes. Yeah. When, you know, the book, when? Yeah. Okay. So Daniel Pink, well, uh, it's been around for a long time, but, he, but he's brought it back into sort of the public eye, which is the whole idea of, of sort of mapping your energy during the day. I have I've had clients do that for, for years. And what happens is, so you look at it kind of like a graph. And so you start the day and you have a, you know, a vertical and a horizontal axis to this thing. And so you start the day and in, in, and in one corner, you'll put what time you get up. So six o'clock, whatever it is, 7.30, whatever time you get up. And then how quickly does it take you to sort of get your energy up? You know, that people, some people are kind of instant on. When they're up, they're up. They couldn't go back to sleep if you paid them. And other people are more like hatchers. They kind of like hatch like a chicken. You know, they kind of, they're the people that stand in the shower with their head down, like motionless. Like they don't, they don't even like themselves for a half hour. And, but eventually we reach this peak where we're starting to feel productive. And then I have people wrap that thing. How long do you stay there? When you have your first dip, when is that? And when you come up, do you come back up at the same level of energy or, or do you come back a little less or even a little more? And how many of those dips that you have? 
And then what you do is, when you have the highest amount of energy, you do the most difficult tasks. Because what happens is, what, what, what we tend to do is put off things we don't like. And we oftentimes put them off until later in the day. Now, you know, he does, Daniel Pink does talk about these different birds. Morning people, he calls larks. Um, evening people, he calls owls. And people that are in between, he calls the third birds. But most of us tend to be more morning people, and we tend to have more energy in the morning. You know, physically and mentally, we're, we're fresher. So one of the ideas is you do the most difficult task when you have the most energy. If you wait, it takes twice as long to do half as much, and you're more likely to make mistakes. Now the thing you didn't want to do once, you got to go do it twice because you got to go fix it. So it's really a question of saying, when am I most available? The other thing that's helpful is to not have such an opinion about whether you like it or not. I mean, you know, the world at large doesn't care if I like doing something. I mean, they're, you know, do I like filing? No. You know, do I, do I like um, organizing stuff? It's okay. You know, does it matter? Well, to whom? You know, does the world care if I'm disorganized? No. So am I going to make a point to whom? I mean, we kind of love to do that, you know, like, well, let me explain why this is difficult and how hard this is. And people are being polite, but they're like, okay, well, it's not about me. Like, what do you want me to do about it? I learned that from these long-term exercises that I have to do because I'm out in an Ironman. I can be out 15 to 16 hours, a long day to exercise nonstop. And I basically know if I start, people have always asked me, like, how do you feel? And we say, well, I don't feel much of anything. I'm just executing a plan. You know, do I have feelings? Yeah. I remember um, in, in 2008, in 2008, that was the most difficult physical day I've ever experienced in my life. It was my second Ironman. The first one was such an amazing, joyful experience. I said, I got to do it again. I didn't pick a particularly good day. On that particular day, um, it rained five and a half inches in 13 hours. I was hypothermic. I became hypoglycemic because of my blood sugar. I was actually hallucinating at one point on the race. And at, near the end of the race, I was, it was possible that I wasn't going to finish, which would just have been just a nightmare for me because I'd been out there miserable so long. And with about an hour and a half to go, I still had about seven, seven miles left to go. And I was shot. I mean, I was, I was toast. I'm not very big. I'd been spending so many calories just to stay fueled, but also just to stay warm. And my body had had it. And three things happened at one time. The race is held on a Sunday. Somebody put a sign out on the course that said, don't make a decision today, you'll regret on Monday. So there are three unresourceful states that we can find ourselves in when we're trying to problem solve. One is fear. The second is anger. And the third is fatigue. So when we're tired, we don't make good choices. Those are, that's a lower brain kind of experience. That's the more primitive part of our brain that gets, that gets triggered. And it's not very good. It's good at keeping us alive. It's good at making sure my, I take my hand off a hot stove. I, wouldn't, I, would, I like that part of me if I'm walking down a dark alley at night, but it's not good for problem solving. It just doesn't have the band. It's not designed to do that. It doesn't have the bandwidth. So basically what the sign meant was after you have a good night's sleep, you're going, to feel, you're going to feel better. So no matter how bad you feel right now, it's going to be different. The second thing that I remembered was I, had a, I, I still had a coach. I had a professional triathlete that was my coach. And I had and I'd gotten tendonitis in both knees six weeks before the race. And so I wasn't able to train anywhere near what I was supposed to train. So not only was I older, but I wasn't in the kind of shape I needed to be in. And I said to her, do you think I'm going to finish? And all she said is, if you want to finish, you will. And then the last thing that happened was we'd gone to a church service the, the night before. And there was a priest. And the priest said, 
some good things going to happen to you tomorrow, but they're not going to last. I thought, well, that's inspirational. Thank you for that. I don't have to carry that with me. And he said, but some bad things are going to happen and they're not going to last either. So there is going to be this ebb and flow during the day. I'd certainly experienced plenty of the bad stuff, but I, had, I was really anxious for a couple of good things. And I basically said, okay, make a decision. Make a decision right now. Because there's a vehicle that takes people off the course because they're not going to finish. And I had seen that vehicle and I got mad. I said, there's no way. I mean, you're not taking me off this course. Not after all this. I'm, I'm going to. So I saw two people in front of me and I said, let's go get them. I wasn't running yet, but I was moving. I, I saw those two. I passed them. I passed five more. Long story short, I passed about 35 people or so. I finished with 14 minutes to spare, but I finished. And from that, what I learned was the ability to stay focused and be able to just block out distractions. What I've become from these races is just incredibly mentally strong. So if I'm in a situation where I don't know if I want to do this, I just say, you're going to do this. I just, I block, I block it out. You know, what is the, how are you going to feel when this is finished? Oh, fantastic. What is going to look like when this is not bugging you anymore? Oh, that's going to be great. You know, how's it going to feel if somebody asks you if you've gotten this done and you say yes? Amazing. Okay, well then look at what's waiting for you at the finish line as it were. So focus on that. Focus on the end goal. Focus on how that's going to feel. When, I, when I'm, uh, when I'm um, teaching people um, customer service skills, one of the things I point out to them is, is good and bad customer service is not an event, it's a feeling. When you have good customer service, you feel cared about. You feel important. You feel understood. When you have bad customer service, you feel ignored. Um, you feel unimportant. You feel uh, like you don't matter. And so, how is what do you what do you like? Not just what do you want to do today, but how do you want to feel? Like, what do you want to feel about that? And is there anything around you that's disrupting that? That you know, the other the one other thing I would say. The other thing that that I do is I use bribes. I'm not I'm not above bribes. So I will say to myself, you know, like, what, what's one of my favorite things to do? Exercise. I mean, I, I'm, I'm addicted. So I want to go ride my bike for two hours. I'll just say to myself, no, not till you're done with this. Well, I want to go. Well, you're not going. You're not going until you finish this. When you get this done, you can go. So I put a little carrot out there for myself. So all those kinds of things, you know, people listening might, you know, might, one might work and another might not, but there are lots of things that you can try. Thing is, Michael, that, you know, something like that, that's a, so someone who's an individual or working from home right now, it, all of these are amazing strategies to apply and, and work well. Yes. How does, how does one, you know, when it comes to, when we go back to normal, whatever that normal was before, yeah, right. when we go back to that and someone's working in an organization or in an office where, you know, right now, if someone sends me an email, I can say, do not disturb and they don't know what I'm doing and I can carry on doing that. Right. When you're in an office space, especially nowadays, office spaces are open. You constantly get tapped on the shoulder. You get a message. When you're trying to ignore some message or say, you know, I'll deal with it later. Someone comes over to you, disturbs you in the middle of the day. And you constantly get these distractions. How do you tackle with that? How do you work with that? Well, so fortunately, I had to deal with that for years and years before all this happened. So that's a, that's a, that's a question that I can answer. And because I get that question a lot, you know, what do I do when people come by and they interrupt me? They come into my office. I'm trying to get something done. So, and, and I don't want to be rude, but I don't, but I'm trying to get something finished and they seem kind of oblivious to me. So one of the things I suggest is you say to somebody, so, so I want to be able to give this the time it deserves. 
So for me to do that, I'm finishing this right now. So how about if I come over in 20 minutes? And then you have to do it. You have to do what you say you have to do. A lot of times we'll sort of politely or impolitely sort of respond, you know, like what or I'm busy or what do you need or something like that, where we're clearly not interested. And this is what I tell people. People will say, well, you know, but I need it right now. And I'll say, well, you know, but they're, they're all contact with another human being is an interruption, not, not in a judgmental sense, but just in a factual sense. I mean, you know, you know, what are you doing today? I'm just sitting by my phone waiting for you to call me. I've done anything all day. I'm just sitting there staring at my phone and you finally go, oh, no, I was doing something. So when we come in, it, part of it is teaching organizational awareness and say, it sounds kind of weird, but it basically says, if you want to have a conversation with somebody, make an appointment. You know, is now a good time? You know, I have a question, now a good time. Why don't we ask that question? Because we don't want to know now's a good time. Because we don't care if now's a good time. We want what we want. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Don't you want them to listen to you? Well, yeah. Well, if they're not in a place to listen to you, you're not going to get what you want. They're going to do the listening thing, you know, but they're not going to really process and hear what you say. If they're distracted, you know, when we're, the research indicates that when we're really focused at listening to somebody, that there's an 83 to an 87% distortion rate, that we accurately get 13 to 17% of what somebody says. So let's round it up and say it's 20. Well, 80% we miss. Why? Well, because think of your mind as like a room with doors open on each end and thoughts kind of wander in and out of their own volition. And you have all kinds of external distraction, noise, light, you know, any kind of sound, any kind of movement. And so you can distract yourself. So you really want that person's undivided attention. So basically to say to somebody, so for me to give, give that the time it deserves, and it deserves some time, you know, I'm going to need to finish this right now. Well, yeah, yeah, but I just have, you know, do you have a minute, like a dog minute or like a 60-second minute? Well, do you have like a 20, do you have a, do you have a 20 minute minute? No. Why didn't you ask for 20 minutes? Oh, because you wouldn't have given me that. I just asked for, everybody has a minute, but that's not what they want. They want like an hour. So it's really saying, so, so to give this the time it needs, this is what I need to do. The other thing is, is I'm a real big fan of this. I'm a real big fan of what organizational values are. Like what, what's important in your organization? So I, one of the first things I'll start is like, what do you guys believe in? Like, like what, what matters to you as a group? Not what do you do? Not, mm-hmm. not what do you do, but what do you believe? How do you believe you should treat each other? What do you believe is important to get together as an organization? What are you trying to do? And if, and then there's another thing that I'll have is sort of what's your customer or your client service pledge? What do you, what do you want? What, what are you going to, what, what can they count on to get from you? And what happens is that think about your, your coworkers as internal customers. We wouldn't dare talk to an outside customer the way we talk to our coworkers. We don't answer the phone and say, what do you want? Like, no, I, no, I can't talk right now. We say, can we, if we call a customer or a client, one of the first questions we'll ask is, is now a good time? Is, is, you know, do you have time right now? Because we're being, you know, good, good manners is good business. Well, practice that internally. It works externally. And it's a good idea. And we want the client to know that we're always concerned. I need you to get on this right now. Well, let me tell you what I can do. I'm in the middle of something right now. But as soon as I'm finished with that, I'm going to jump right on that. And, I, and how about if I just get back to you and let you know where we are with that? Well, there's no difference with the people we work with. Not, none at all. We treat them the same way. 
And all of a sudden we have the same kind of feeling. Because remember, it's if we want people to have those emotions um, that are connected with a, with a good connection, we want that person to feel heard and valued and listened to. The, the simplest way to do that is a relationship therapist in the States name is Harville Hendricks, H-A-R-V-I-L-L-E, Hendricks, with an X. And he's probably his most famous book is Getting the Love You Want, which is about couples. But his techniques about, about communicating are spot on in any context. And what he suggests people go to is this three-step three process. First is to mirror reflect what the person says. So let me see if I heard that. Um, I didn't get that project done. Um, it, you're frustrated because it's got to be done by next Thursday. Did I get that? Yeah. Is it more about that? Well, yeah, because I'm really, I'm really in a rush, and you're really in a rush to get that done. Then to validate that, that makes sense. I can understand you want to get that done. I have things I've had to get done, and then I can imagine that you would feel sort of annoyed or frustrated with that. And then how can I help? Then how can I help? Okay. So there's all kinds of ways to address this. Sure. You know, you t- we talked about distraction from mobile phones and distraction from from people generally and you know how to kind of work with it and deal with it when you're trying to you know look at some of your personal goals so a lot for a lot of the people as you as you imagine they're living on autopilot especially when they're at work they they do everything sitting like a zombie and they're waiting for five o'clock to kick in and that but there's few of us a number of us that want to develop us uh, personally as well as well as professionally and that yes. needs commitment, that needs time commitment, that needs focus, that needs concentration. How do those people do that? Now, here's what I struggle with sometimes. I try to get up five o'clock in the morning. I enjoy it, but some days I really hate it because I haven't had proper sleep. And mm-hmm. it feels robotic to me. I'm like, I can't yes. do this for the rest of my life. I want to sometimes wake up late. Um, yes. I, I, wanna, I don't want it to feel, a routine's very nice, but sometimes it feels like I'm too robotic. I need a break from that routine. Mm-hmm. Well, unless I wake up at five, I can't do everything I want to do. Right. And that becomes a challenge. Now, someone like me was a bit of, it was, it was driven and I have the right, I'm, I don't have as many other challenges as other people might have. For example, they might have young families, they might have health issues or whatever that might be. How do you, how do you keep yourself focused? Now, uh, if I may say, I mean, you've been, you've been doing triathlons and you know, you've been an Ironman, you share your lessons. What key lessons do you get out of that and you, that, that you'd like to share that you can apply to, you know, progress professionally, progress personally? If you're going to live, if you're, if you're going to live your life in the example I just gave off, you're going to go to work, you're going to get up, you know, as close as time to, you know, to your work. Let's, let's say you're leaving home at eight, you try to wake up half seven, brush and shower and everything, trying to squeeze in as much sleep as you can you know, get ready and, and leave for work and then come back at five and lie down on the sofa and, you know, live your life on autopilot, thinking yourself, you, you work too hard and you can't concentrate running down at the energy. What key lessons do, can you share from your Ironman, uh, Ironman lessons that talk that you do that people can apply to their daily lives, you know, to their work and to their, to their that? Because you know what, if, if you can finish your work, you know, in, in five, six hours, you, you have more time to do whatever you like. Right. We understand that, but how do you get to that point? That, that's the difficult thing is how do you get yourself to that? And this, and this is the first thing I've learned from Iron Man is that I have to take care of the machine. The machine is everything. My body is everything. Nothing happens without my body. And that's true in any context. So there's, there's four things that your body needs. The first thing it needs is seven to nine hours of sleep. 
and there's there's neurological reasons why we have that. We have there's a, there's a there's a certain amount, I guess, for lack of a better word, gunk that that can't get cleaned out until the brain is doesn't have to do anything but just rest. And so anything under seven hours. Now there are people there there they are they are super sleepers and they need less than the seven to nine, but they tend to be in the minority. So the first thing is to get in is get seven to nine hours of sleep. Among other things, it does things like a, a boost your immune system and those those kinds of things. Um, the second thing that you have to do is you have to move. So you, you, your body needs your body needs movement. It needs it's a machine. It needs to be operated. You, you know the car needs to be run. You need to make sure that is that you're putting some kind of stress on it. Not necessarily stress at the level I stress my body, but my body is acclimated to that stress and my body expects it. So it, that's different. But you need movement. You know the the, the numbers vary. 150 minutes a week. I mean it's it's all over the map. But you need to move. The next thing you need to do is you need to fuel it properly. Eat real food. Whether they might, uh, my eldest daughter, who's a, who a motivational speaker, one of the things that she talks when she talks about this is she tells people if it comes from a plant, eat it. If it's made in a plant, then basically you want to try to avoid it because it's not food. It just is designed. And why do we, you know, what does it have? Probably a lot repeat of sodium. That, repeat that one more time, Michael. If it, if it comes from a plant, eat it. If it's made in a plant, avoid it. Wow. Okay. And so it's a good kind of, you know, like all junk food is made in a plant. I mean, they're, you know, you know, you know I, I don't know if you have like Oreo cookies yes, there, but yeah. you know, those are things an Oreo tree. You can't go like go pick one. I mean, it's not, it doesn't exist. And then the last one is you have to make sure that you have um, healthy connection. Like we're designed to be in connection from the time we existed. We came into existence with an umbilical cord. I mean, we have been in connections our entire existence. We only know connection, which is what's made this thing really hard for some people, is the lack of connection. We also know that when, when, we, when, when infants are, are deprived touch, they go through failure to thrive. We need human touch. We need to require that. So first thing is get the machine right. That's the first thing. For all those other things, you know, to happen, the machine has to work. If my body isn't fit, this isn't going to happen. This is this is a you know this is a two point four mile swim, one hundred and twelve mile bike, and a twenty six point two mile run. This is nothing to sneeze at. This is no joke. And so I my body it, it it'll it'll shut you down if you're not prepared for this thing. So I kind of kind of know what one of the things I know is know what you're getting into. Know what you're getting into. The other thing that it happens in terms of accomplishing goals is that when when I'm when I'm in a race. I'm only where I am. So when I get out of the swim, which is the first thing, whatever that was, that's done. That, that, that's, that's, that's out of my mind. You know, I, I also do a half Ironman distance, which is just half of those numbers I gave you. Uh, three years ago, I was doing a race, and it was a beautiful, it was, it was, the, the, it was uh, the second week in September, still beautiful weather, except what was not beautiful was the Canadian high that had come in and had, and had dropped um, the air temperature in the 30s. I don't go outside and bike when it's 30 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't do that. It was just above freezing. I got out of the water. I was fr- my, my, I couldn't move my hands. It took me forever to get on my bike. Well, eventually what happened was the swim was whatever it was, good, bad, or different. It, that was gone. That was out of my mind. I was only where I am. So one of the things we can do that makes accomplishing personal and professional goals difficult is we just overthink everything. We overwhelm ourselves. 
The other thing that happens is this. Many of us can have a great deal of negative self-talk, and we can basically tell ourselves that we're continually not enough. If I did five, I should have done six. If I did eight, I could have done nine. I mean, I didn't finish this. I didn't finish that. And I often say to people, if you hired somebody, can you imagine trying to motivate them by saying, listen, you're going to come work for me. And whenever you get done something you're supposed to do, I'm not going to say a word. If you deviate, I am going to criticize you all day. I mean, who in the world would work? Unless you have just no self-worth, why would you? But that's what we do to ourselves. Well, you didn't get that done. You didn't get this done. You get that. I know. You're going to die not getting something done. So put it in perspective and say, look at yourself and say, where am I spending my time? I am spending my time on the phone. I'm spending my time, you know, practicing the piano. I'm spending, I'm spending my time painting a room. I'm spending my time on my website. Wherever you're spending your time, that's what you value. Not what we say we value. So a good exercise to do is make two columns. In the left-hand column, put all the things that are important to you on the left-hand side. On the right-hand side, put how much time you spend on them. And don't judge it, just look at it. And then, well, okay, well, what did you do today? Well, I spent four hours on social media. That's not the most important thing to me. Well, it was four hours worth of social media. Well, you don't understand. No, 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 it's not a debate. I mean, if you don't want to do it, I mean, that's why they put erasers on pencils. I mean, if it's not working, change it. I mean, you don't have to get into it so much. That's the other thing I do in a race. I constantly have to shift gears. I, I, I constantly have to. I remember a race where um, you, it, my, the, the, the bike is two 56-mile loops. It's a 56-mile course you do twice. And you have to climb, um, you have to climb um, 15 miles up a mountain to get back into town. It's, a long, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's what I do. It's okay. So I had this candy bar waiting for me. I was so excited to have this candy bar. Oh, my gosh. I started fixating on the thing. It was a Snickers bar. It was the biggest Snickers bar they make. I mean, it was like a heat-seeking missile. I mean, it was massive. And I'm thinking, this is so great. I'm about to eat my Snickers. It's only two minutes from my Snickers. And so they have these volunteers that you have your, your stuff in a bag. It's run with military precision. You shout out your number. They shout it down the line. The person's way with your bag. You know, can I help you? Just my Snickers. Thank you. I get my Snickers. I lovingly look at my Snickers. I'm going to eat my Snickers. No, no, not yet. Because at the time I'm going through Lake Placid, there's 20,000 people. This is cool. People, you know, yo, Michael. I don't even know these people. And I, I looked at this guy. I started laughing. I said, I'll never be this famous for the rest of my life. But I am right now. So I get out of town. And I'm like, okay, now it's time to, now it's time to eat my Snickers. No, no, no. I can't eat it yet. Because, you know, that 15-mile that climb, where well, there's a seven-mile descent down a mountain, and, and you've got to have both hands on the wheel. So I go to put my Snickers bar in my pocket, in my back pocket behind my jersey, and I missed, and I dropped it. Bouncing along the road, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, brought, I lost my Snickers. I can't believe I lost my Snickers. And a little voice came in my head, and it said, look, if the worst thing that happens to you on a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike in a marathon, is you drop a candy bar, that's a pretty good day. Get your head back in the race. So another thing that's important about being able to accomplish a task is put things in perspective. I dropped a candy bar. It's okay. You know, I focused on what was available. I didn't get that done today. What did you get done today? I didn't finish that. What did you finish? What worked right for you? Criticism as a learning tool is not really very all that, doesn't work all that well. You know, what did you do? I just criticized myself. So I'm particularly energized and motivated when I do that. And I told myself I'm never going to be enough. 
Most of that, that negative talk, by the way, is learned behavior that came from somebody else. When we have small children, we teach them that part, that starting to, that learning something and failing are part of the same thing. So when a toddler falls, what do we say? You know, what do you say when a toddler falls? It's okay. Yeah, yeah, it'll be okay. We don't say, you little loser, you know, you're going to crawl to your 20. We don't do that. We, are, we originally believed that failing is a part of achieving. Then we have this thing called school that comes up. And you don't ever have to get a bad grade to know that it doesn't look like a good idea. Those kids aren't having a lot of fun. They're the ones where the parents have to come for conferences. So we learn to avoid failure. Add to that that as we age, developmentally, we become more risk averse. We become more afraid of failure because we failed and it's painful and we don't like it. And so the solution to that is once a year, I believe that you need to jump out of your comfort zone and do something that has two qualities attached to it. One is it's very exciting. And the second is it scares you half to death. So, you know, before Iron Man, you know, I've done things like walk on hot coals. Well, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, and why did I do that? For that very reason. You know, my, my job is to get people to stretch and to move outside their comfort zones. I need to keep myself honest. I need to do that. So look at these goals that you have, these personal and professional goals that you have and say, what's one that would be a stretch that would require maximum effort, that require maximum creativity, that require maximum mental, mental fitness, that would really challenge me. But man, if I finish that, that would just be amazing. Go, go get it. Go, go after that. And, you know, again, the way you go into the day, what you think you're going to do, rarely matches the end of the day. You know, the, you know could we interrupt it and priorities change. And I mean, like nobody said, so what I'm going to do is, well, I'm going to do some COVID planning. I'm going to get that in there. Like, no, that, that would be kind of like when I got hit by lightning. You know, you can't plan for everything. We're now coming uh, towards the end of the show, Michael. Is there something, is there something that you, no one's perfect. I mean, you're very inspiring in the sense that you're so focused and dedicated and, then, and you stretch yourself and you give some, you know, very good insights today for, for people to go and share and apply and, you know, and learn from. What is it that right now you kind of struggle with when it comes to focus or when it comes to kind of overcoming obstacles? So, so sometimes what I focus with is feeling isolated, even though I, and that I feel like sometimes that people are just so busy with whatever they're doing that I'm just going to have to solve this by myself. So it's a real stretch sometimes for me to trust other people and be able to go out and ask for help like that. I know it's necessary. You know, I, I know I need to do that, but sometimes it's easier for me to say, well, I'll just take care of it. But, you know, nothing of significance was ever done alone. No, there's nothing we've ever accomplished. I love when people say, you know, I'm a self-made person. Oh, you wrote the book you read. Oh, that's fascinating. Oh, you, you know, <laughs> really? How did you? Nothing of consequence ever done. So that's something that I, that I struggle with to make sure that I do that. Awesome. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having and me. And it was a pleasure, pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Be well. I hope you got some great value and insights from this episode. If, and if you're someone who wants to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur, then I have some great free resources for you. If you visit www.jazzbearaurora.com, that's www.jazzbearaurora.com, and drop me a line, I will send you an ebook and also a one hour masterclass. And also um, go and take the Escape the 95 survey 
which will help you understand where you are right now um, and where the gaps are in your knowledge to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur. And if you're a business and you need help growing or if you have any uh, issues that you'd like to discuss, then yeah, once again, visit the website and I'll be more than happy to help you. Thank you for listening.